welcome to episode number 320 of Sleep Whispers. Tonight, you'll hear a Whisperpedia episode about Alexander Herman, the great magician. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I'm Harris, and I created this tranquilizer of restless brain squirrels so you can relax and fall asleep. If you want to enjoy over 400 more episodes, then just become a Silk Plus member by using the link in the episode notes or by going to silkpodcasts.com. All right. Why did I choose a magician for tonight's Whisperpedia? Well, I find magic and magicians quite fascinating. It's a field that involves audiences paying to be tricked and deceived, <laughs> which just seems kind of funny. I'm also fascinated how magicians use psychology, physics, and engineering to create and execute magic tricks. Alright, <laughs> enough about me. Who is this Alexander Herman guy? He's one of the greatest magicians in history performing his shows all over the world in the 1800s. Tonight, you'll learn about his rise to stardom, his love of pranks, his amazing card skills, his bullet catch trick, how some of his tricks went wrong, his conflicts with other magicians, how much money he made, and some of the good things he did with that money that he made. And I'll finish this episode with the kind gesture that he did during his final hours. I also know another guy who is very kind and world famous. Although, he doesn't do the bullet catch trick. That's right. It's my old buddy, Drew Ackerman, who you may know better as Scooter. He hosts the Sleep With Me podcast. You will love his hypnotic voice, bizarre bedtime stories, and fun personality. Your brain squirrels will soon be fast asleep and drooling all over your cerebellum. <laughs> Just search for Sleep With Me in your podcast player or use the link in the episode notes. I also have another great tip for you. 
If you love whispers, gentle sounds, and ASMR, then I know a great Valentine's Day gift for you or other ASMR lovers in your life. It is the ASMR guide and coloring book titled, Please Wear Headphones. Will you learn about ASMR? Yes. This book will explain the benefits and types of ASMR so you can fully understand what the buzz and tingles are all about. Will you get the color? Yes. This book has beautiful illustrations that you can color to distract and relax your brain squirrels. Will you experience ASMR? Yes. Each coloring page has a QR code so you can listen to an ASMR video as you color. Alright, are you ready to color yourself into a deep state of bliss? If so, just use the link in the episode notes to get your copy of Please Wear Headphones, the ASMR guide, coloring book, journal, and bridge to relaxation. Okay, it's now time to begin tonight's Whisperpedia. The following are select sections and details from the Wikipedia article titled Alexander Herman. Alexander Herman, also known as Herman the Great, was a French magician born in 1844. His father had also been a magician and had performed for the Sultan of Turkey and Napoleon. Alexander's interest in magic was also bolstered by his older brother Carl. Without his family's consent, Carl kidnapped his younger brother Alexander and took him to St. Petersburg, Russia to teach him all about the art of magic. While there, Carl brought his younger brother with him on a tour that started in Russia and continued to Germany, Austria, Italy, and Portugal. During this tour, Alexander learned how to perform while being suspended in the air. He learned how to perform as a blindfolded medium and he learned the art of the sleight of hand. He was hooked. Young Alexander then joined his brother Carl on almost every future tour. At one point, the brothers were accused by another magician of stealing his tricks. It turned out that they didn't technically steal the other magician's tricks, 
have bought them from someone who worked for the other magician. <laughs> yeah, I guess even the world of magic is a dirty business. <laughs> In 1860, when Alexander was 17 years old, they arrived in the United States to continue their magic tour. One of Alexander's specialty tricks was throwing cards, although this could also be called a honed skill. Alexander is usually credited as the first magician to include card-throwing in a major act. He became so skilled at this that he could place a card in the lap of any spectator that raised their hand. He could even bounce these cards off the rear wall of the largest theaters and reach the people sitting the furthest away. This ability was a big hit with the spectators who were sitting in the cheap seats. Five weeks of touring brought the brothers over $35,000, which would be equivalent to about one million U.S. dollars today. In 1862, Alexander began his solo career as a magician as the brothers went their separate ways. While in the U.S., Alexander had learned the value of making the press, so he used that ability during his shows in London. For example, while strolling down a London street with a friend, he gathered a crowd. He stepped up to two gentlemen and picked a handkerchief from one. He did this in a clumsy way to purposely get the attention of two policemen that were behind him. As the two police officers came towards him, Alexander deftly poached the watch of the second gentleman. Alexander's friend tried to vouch for him to the police officers, but as he was telling the virtues of his friend, the second man discovered that his watch was missing. The man insisted that Alexander took it. Alexander professed his innocence and asked the policemen to search him. They didn't find any of the stolen items. Alexander then suggested that the two policemen should search themselves. The handkerchief was found on one of the cops, and the missing watch, yeah, that was found on the other cop. <laughs> Then, one of the policemen noticed that his badge was missing. So they searched one of the gentlemen and found the missing badge. Alexander smiled and said, It seems that I am the only honest person here. <laughs> 
The officers knew that Alexander had tried to trick them. Alexander tried in vain to explain to the police that the entire thing was just a magician's joke. We will not be deceived in that way, one of the cops said. So they hauled him off to the police station. But at the station, he was recognized and set free. The London papers got hold of the story and made it a sensation, which, of course, is why I'm able to tell you about it today. The entire town was laughing at the practical joke that Alexander had played on London's finest. Alexander continued doing shows all around the world. In 1874, he returned to America. On the boat there, he met a young dancer named Adelaide. And in less than a year, they would be married by the mayor of New York. Even his wedding day was filled with some tricks. Always the magician and prankster, Alexander conjured up a roll of bills from the mayor's beard at his wedding. But sometimes his pranks and gags backfired on him. Once, he was having dinner with a newspaper journalist and humorist, Bill Nye. Alexander thought it would be good fun to make a large diamond appear on the dinner table. Soon enough, Bill Nye discovered a large diamond in his salad. Nye laughed, but then he turned the tables on the great magician. Nye picked up the diamond and handed it to a passing waitress. Here you go. Have a little present, he said. Alexander freaked out a little bit, and even more so when the waitress refused to give the diamond back to him. She remained adamant until Alexander had to ask the owner of the restaurant to intervene. After a bit, he finally got his diamond back. In 1883, after solidifying his name in the United States, Alexander Herman embarked on another world tour. His first stop was South America. The Emperor of Brazil attended 19 of his performances. The Emperor was so fascinated with Herman's magic that he presented him with the Cross of Brazil. After touring the rest of South America, Herman headed to Russia to perform for Tsar Alexander III. After Russia, 
Herman returned to the place of his birth, France. In 1885, Alexander met his brother Carl again in Paris. Carl was also still performing, so they discussed what should they do so they don't compete with each other. An agreement was made to split the world. Carl would return to perform in Europe, and Alexander would perform in the United States. Alexander then left Paris to go back to America. Throughout most of his career, Alexander Herman and his wife, Adelaide Herman, performed together in elaborate stage shows. The Hermans received 50% of the gross earnings from most theaters. This resulted in their annual earnings being about 75000 U.S. dollars, which today would be about $3 million a year. To the dismay of his manager, though, Alexander was quite generous with his money. He often gave money to others who had made bad investments in theatrical venues. When the manager of the Chicago Opera House needed $3,000, Alexander cleared the debt by sending him a check. Alexander and Adelaide lugged their show by rail car and kept their travels to the U.S. territories. They presented a full evening program adapting tricks from other magicians. One of these tricks was an aerial suspension routine, which they adapted into an illusion called Trilby. This involved setting up a board that would be on top of two chairs, and then Adelaide would be placed on top of the board. Both the board and Adelaide would rise into the air, and then the two chairs would be removed. After a hoop was placed over Adelaide's floating body, she would descend back down to the two chairs. The Hermans presented this and many other fine illusions of the time. Their only major rival was Harry Keller. Although Herman didn't consider Keller to be serious competition, he was still concerned and critical about Keller's shows. He was judgmental of Keller's lack of sleight-of-hand skills and his preference for using mechanical methods. One major part of their conflict 
was referred to as the Paper Wars. Whenever Herman or Keller would play a town, they would hang paper banners to announce their arrival. Whoever got there first won that battle. So they started a succession of paper wars. Herman would put up his posters. Then Keller's people would follow along and put up Keller's posters. Herman's people would then follow suit and cover Keller's posters, making a third layer. This would continue until the day of the show, and the last poster standing was the victor. After years of this type of bickering, they decided to hold a ceasefire. They felt the country was big enough to have two kings of magic. Although the public did seem to favor the magic and wit of Alexander Herman. One of the most popular acts by Alexander and Adelaide was their version of the bullet catch. The bullet catch is one of the most dangerous magic tricks. It's a trick in which a magician has a spectator mark a bullet and load it into a gun. Then the spectator fires directly at the magician who appears to catch the bullet, sometimes in his mouth or in his hand or on a plate. In their patter, magicians often refer to the legend of twelve magicians who have died during the trick. Then they may add, Will I be number thirteen? Even though most things that magicians say is hyperbole, there actually is real danger with the bullet catch. One magician accidentally killed his young son doing a version of this trick, and another one accidentally killed his wife. In 1880, a magician completed the trick, but then a man in the audience pulled out a gun, shouted, catch this, and shot the magician dead. The danger is significant because real guns were originally used for the trick, typically an old-fashioned muzzle loader. The bullet used was a lead ball rammed into the gun with a small charge of gunpowder. In truth, most versions of the trick had either a fake bullet inserted into the gun, or had the bullet secretly removed right before it was
was discharged. What came out of the gun's muzzle was just a flash of fire, giving the illusion of an exiting projectile. Herman the Great performed his own version of the bullet catch. The bullet was still marked, but the danger of the trick was avoided. The gunpowder never came near the firing mechanism, with the result that the bullet never left the gun. The trick was safe, or so Herman thought. Many years later, Herman's assistant, who helped him develop the trick, would die using it. But prior to that, Herman did make the most of the trick. It wasn't a normal part of his act. The trick would be only presented on special occasions. In May of 1896, Herman announced that he would attempt the bullet catch for the seventh time. On the day of the performance, Herman looked somewhat somber. He wore a white shirt with frills on the sleeves. He held a china plate in front of him like a target. When he gave the order, the gun was fired, and he caught the bullets on the plate. Calmly, he handed the bullets out for examination, and sure enough, they appeared to be the very same bullets that were loaded into the gun. All went well, although, prior to the act, his wife is quoted by a reporter as saying, I lock myself into my dressing room whenever Alexander faces a firing squad. Alexander's reply to his wife's comment was recorded by a reporter as, Aw, nonsense. I've already caught bullets successfully six times. Seven, you know, it's a lucky number. Yet, prior to the Seventh Bullet Catch Act, Alexander did apply for a new life insurance plan. And of course, he didn't mention the bullet catch trick. On December 16, 1896, Alexander Herman suffered a heart attack while traveling by train to his next performance. Earlier that day, he had paid the overdue bills of a theatrical company to help them out. He had also paid their train tickets and expenses so the theater group could return home to New York. Prior to receiving medical attention for his heart attack, he whispered to his wife Adelaide, Please make sure that everyone in the theater company 
next day, Alexander Herman died at the age of 52. His widow, Adelaide Herman, continued to perform as a successful solo magician for the next 25 years. She became known as the Queen of Magic and even continued to perform the bullet catch trick. She retired at the age of 75 and later died in 1932. The Queen of Magic is buried in New York City at Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, right next to her husband, Herman the Great. This is the end of tonight's Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed. If you'd like to listen to many more Whisperpedia episodes right now, then peek in the episode notes or visit silkpodcasts.com. Or perhaps you're now ready to fall deeply asleep. If so, 